Now it's time for our Bible readings, kicking off with Ezekiel 36, verses 24 to 28. You'll find that on page 706 in the Church Bibles. Ezekiel 36, verses 24 to 28 on page 706. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Now we go to John 3, verses 1 to 15. That's on page 862. John 3, verses 1 to 15. Jesus teaches Nicodemus. Page 862 in the Church Bibles. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born When they are old, Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Well, good morning, friends. We haven't met. My name's uh, James Lewis. I'm the Senior Assistant Minister uh, here at Norwest. And uh, if you have joined us in the last three weeks, you wouldn't have met me. I've been on annual leave, um, and so uh, it's new. And uh, uh, just want to thank you for your prayers for uh, a restful and uh, relaxing holiday for me and the family. Uh, they were answered. And uh, at the same time, it's great to be back uh, with God's people again uh, this morning. So we're we'll looking at John 3 today. And I want to start by asking you... Uh, 
whether you've ever had the experience of thinking that you've got something under control, that you know what you're doing, you've got it sorted out, only to discover that actually, really, you don't. Uh, I remember when I uh, just started driving, uh, you know where this is going, uh, and I was on my P's and uh, did well on my driving test, quite, you know, passed quite easily. I know what driving's like, I've been driving around for a little while and uh, went out one Saturday night with some mates and uh, we parked in a car park and as we were leaving, uh, I was sort of rushing to reverse out and, and the car kind of held up and, and, and didn't really respond. Um, this uh, big uh, family van, the Tarago, with a big bull bar on the front uh, and, and it's not responding and so I thought, well, I'll just give a bit more accelerator. So I gave a bit more accelerator and, and then suddenly the car jumped back um, and, and I looked up and I saw this uh, kind of fence that uh, kind of hems in the shopping trolleys at the supermarket. Uh, it was just going like this shaking and I thought, oh, that, that doesn't look good, I better see what happened. And so I hopped out and, and there on the ground uh, where we'd parked the car was this uh, C-shaped uh, left side of the bull bar uh, which had just been ripped off the front of the car. Um, it, it seemed that somehow when I was reversing out I'd, I'd hooked that behind one of the poles and so that was the resistance. <laughs> Stop, <laughs> it's caught. And so I just said, no, no, I'll keep going. And so I managed to rip it off the car. So, so I had to drive home and my parents having a quite relaxing night in and they're sitting watching TV in the TV room and I walk in uh, with this big C-shaped piece of bull bar and I present it to them. We had a little accident. Um, it was a little embarrassing. <laughs> um, have you ever had an experience something like that where you think you've got something under control, you, you know what you're doing, you, you, you've got it all sorted out and, and only to discover that you don't? Uh, that was kind of Nicodemus's experience, wasn't it, when he came to see Jesus. He said in verse 2, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Uh, it's not a bad start, is it? It's very respectful, polished, uh, it's pretty uh, friendly and encouraging. And then Jesus comes straight back at him. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. It's a bit humbling for Nicodemus. Have you ever had an experience like that where you think you know what you're talking about and only discover that you don't? It's humbling, even a little embarrassing. We feel exposed. And so normally in life, it's not the kind of experience that we seek out, that we long for, that we look for, because we feel exposed. In fact, so many of the games that we play with each other and with God are about us hiding and covering up and protecting ourselves. We don't want to be exposed because if people really knew what we were like, well, they wouldn't like us. They wouldn't accept us. They wouldn't respect us. And yet, that experience of realizing that we don't know what we're doing, we, we don't have it all under control, is exactly where we need to be. Because it opens up to us a, a divine gift, a, a wonderful blessing. Let me explain. We're in the uh, second week of our series on the Holy Spirit, He Who Brings Life. And, and notice that's He, not It. Uh, we saw last week that the Spirit is not some abstract force floating around in the universe, but the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son and Spirit. So it's He Who Brings Life. And today we're going to see that the life that the Spirit brings includes this new birth. Or as Jesus says in uh, John 3, to be born again, as he says. Now, I realize as I say born again, there'll be a whole bunch of different things going on inside us. 
Um, some of us will cringe. There's all those stereotypes of weird, strange, born-again Christians come into our mind. Some of us might be unsettled. Am I born again? How would I know if I'm born again? And some of us will be like Nicodemus, just confused and sceptical. Look what he says in verse 4. How can someone be born when they're old? Surely they cannot enter into, into a second time into their mother's womb to be born. You picture that. Nicodemus, an old, respectable man, standing in front of Jesus, says, Look at me. I'm an old man. How can I be born? You're not suggesting, Jesus, that I climb back into my mother's womb to be birthed a second time, aside from the fact she's been dead for 30 years. It, what, what are you saying, Jesus? And so when we say born again, some of us will cringe. Some of us will be unsettled. And some of us will just be confused. But when Jesus says born again, it, it, he means just the kind of like how it sounds. A fresh start. A life begins that wasn't there before, like when a baby is born. It's not that you become someone else, you're still you, but now you have a fresh start, a new beginning with God, a new life with God. And so when Jesus says, very truly, you must be born again, he's opening up to us a door, an invitation into a wonderful gift from God. So what we're going to do today is we're going to follow Nicodemus' story. We're going to go on Nicodemus' journey. And as we do that, here's my hope. Here's what I've been praying about this week. My hope is that those of you who are Christians will marvel and rejoice at what God did in you when you became a Christian. You were born again. And my second hope is that some of you will be born again today. That you begin that new life with God today. Now that task, that hope is too big for me, for any of us. But God can do it. God loves to do it. So I want to ask you to join with me in praying that God will meet each of us where we are this morning and do a work in us. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you so much for this time, just this privilege to be able to open your word and and hear you speak. And we all uh, come here at different stages, different things going on in our lives. Some of us have had great weeks and life is really going well for us. Some of us are really battling and just barely keeping our heads above water. Some of us know Jesus. Some of us are exploring who he is. Some of us have great joy and certainty as we come here on a Sunday Some of us are full of doubts and questions. Lord, thank you for bringing us together. We ask that you would meet each of us where we are and and do a work in us that our joy and hope would be in Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, we're going to go on the journey with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus discovers three things, and that's what we're going to discover too this morning. The first of them is... You must be born again. Jesus says it three times to Nicodemus. Did you notice that? Verse 3, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Then it get down again in verse 5, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. And then verse 7, you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. Three times he says you must be born again. And notice that's not Jesus saying, look, I recommend that you're born again. 
You really should try being born again. It'll improve your life if you're born again. No, he says, you must be born again. That's weighty, isn't it? It's even more weighty when we realize that Nicodemus is the complete opposite of the kind of person that we normally think should get born again. Let me explain. Normally, when we think of people who need to get born again, it's the really broken those who've been uh, drug addicts and prostitutes and crims and you know, they say, oh, my life was a mess, but then I got born again and I got my life back together. So, so that, that we tend to think of those kind of people or, or we think of people who just desperately need a tight, neat moral structure for their life. I remember uh, a number of years ago out at a, a Bucks party uh, for one of my Christian friends and there was eight or nine of us, all Christian guys, and we went out um, into the city and had dinner in the rocks and so we're wandering along in the rocks uh, on a Friday night uh, and a hen's party uh, comes in the opposite direction. You know it's a hen's party because she's dressed up in some kind of crazy gear that they wear. And, and you know hens and bucks parties, they're given dares, tasks that they have to do. And so she walks up to us, these eight or nine uh, Christian guys, and her dare was to ask uh, if any of us had a condom. Ha ha, very funny, you know, awkward and embarrassing for her. And so she says, do any of you guys have a condom? I said, no, no, no sorry, we don't, like, do any of you, like, do you? No, we went round nine of us. What were the chances? Nine men in the rocks without a condom. And so she says, what are you? Some, like, you guys, those born-again Christians or something? <laughs> yes, we are, actually. <laughs> she was very shocked. But you kind of get the thinking, right? You don't get drunk. You don't swear. You don't sleep around. Oh, you must be born again. That, that's the kind of people that we think need to get born again are those who are really broken or those who just need that tight moral structure for their lives. And Nicodemus is the complete opposite of that kind of person. Look, verse 1, we learn that he is a Pharisee and a man, a member of the Jewish ruling council. Verse 10, Jesus says, you are Israel's teacher. That's a technical term. It means he has a Ph.D., He's a reverend doctor, a professor. All those details tell us that Nicodemus was a respected, learned, uh, influential leader and pillar in his community. And it's not like he needs a tighter, more rigorous moral structure for his life. He's a Pharisee. They were more rigorous, more structured, more disciplined in their moral framework than anyone we know. There's a great old story uh, from the rugby league, early 90s. Uh, a young uh, Ford is making his uh, first grade debut. Uh, he's done well in the under-21s, done well in reserves, big things expected for him. Comes out for his uh, first grade debut uh, and he's playing the Balmain Tigers. And in the forward pack is big Steve Blocker Roach, if you remember, big, big man. And this young Ford uh, takes the ball up, really confident, you know, first grade debut, I'm going to show how it's done. And he runs straight into Steve Blocker Roach. And the young Ford says afterwards that Steve Roach picked him up like a rag doll and slammed him on the ground and said, welcome to first grade, son. (laughs) Great story. When our moral framework comes up against a Pharisee, it's just like that. But you never thought you'd hear a Pharisee and Steve Roach compared in church. (laughs) But it's just like that. We bring our moral framework up against a Pharisee and it's like we've been mucking around in the lower leagues and we come up against a first grader. So it's not like Nicodemus. When, when uh, 
Nicodemus meets uh, Jesus. Not like he's looking for a more rigorous, tighter, controlled, structured moral framework for his life. And it's not that he's seeking for truth either. He comes, uh, you see in verse 2, at night. Not in the daylight, not in the open, not in front of the crowds, but he comes under the cover of darkness. And he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. Do you see that? It's not I. It's not I. I think you're a teacher. But we know. We, the religious leaders, we, the the Pharisees, have worked out. We've made our assessment and we think you're a teacher. Do you see, Nicodemus is not a seeker. He's not seeking after truth with Jesus. He's an assessor, a reviewer, a critic, a blogger. So do you see that Nicodemus is the complete opposite of the kind of person we normally think needs to get born again? And Jesus says to him, you must be born again. Do you see what Jesus has done? He's shattered all our stereotypes about being born again. If Nicodemus needs to be born again, then everyone needs to be born again. The hills need to be born again. The hills full of good, decent people with excellent moral structures need to be born again. We need to be born again. You need to be born again. So what does it mean to be born again? Well, that's the second thing uh, that Nicodemus discovers. You need to start again by God's Spirit. Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, You're a teacher. And notice Jesus doesn't say, Oh, thank you. Finally, someone gets it. I wish just more people would work this out. No, he says, You don't get it. You're not even close, Nicodemus. You need to start again. You need to be born again. And then he says, Verse 5, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. And he's not talking about baptism there. That's not on view there. No, he's drawing upon a promise hundreds of years before by God that we read in Ezekiel 36. And I'd love for you to turn back there with me. We read it before. It's on page 706 of your church Bibles. 706. Verse uh, 24. For I'll take you out of the nations and I'll gather you back from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your sins and impurities, from all your idols. It's a picture of how God will forgive sins. He'll wash his people clean. He'll cleanse them of sin. Verse 26, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you. And move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors and you will be my people and I'll be your God. That's the new start. God, by his spirit, will give his people a new start. He'll he'll take away that heart of stone that was lifeless, unresponsive to God and give them a new heart, a heart of flesh that is alive and responsive to him. That's what Jesus is saying in John 3 verse 5, that you must be born of water and of spirit. So you might be here and you might be thinking, look, I'm just so flawed. I'm just so sinful. I I try to do better. I try to get my life under control. I put in place all these things to get it sorted and yet I keep failing. I just can't 
do it. And that's right. You can't do it. I can't do it. We can't do it. That's why Jesus is so hard on Nicodemus in verse 10. You are Israel's teacher and you do not understand these things? Nicodemus, you're Israel's teacher and you don't know Ezekiel 36? Not that Jesus is interested in Bible trivia or Bible knowledge for the sake of it. Nicodemus, you don't know Israel's history? You don't know what the human condition is like? That we are so rebellious, so fallen, so broken that we just can't obey God. We need God to give us a new nature. Verse 6 of John 3, flesh gives birth to flesh. Fallen, broken, sinful human nature just produces fallen, broken, sinful nature. Again and again, generation after generation. But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. God, by His Spirit, gives us what we could never do for ourselves. A new nature, a fresh start with God. He breaks that cycle. That's the new birth. That's what it means to be born again. So if you're a Christian here this morning, that's the wonderful miracle that God did in you when you became a Christian. You were born again. If you're not a Christian here this morning, that's the wonderful miracle that God can do in you. He can do for you what you can never do for yourself. He can give you that new nature, that fresh start with God. That's what Nicodemus needed, to start again. He came to Jesus and said, you're a teacher? No. You need to start again. If you think I'm just a teacher, you, you, you have not even close. You need to start again. And so Jesus says down in verse 12 of John 3, I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus there is uh, drawing upon a funny little scene in Numbers 21. Uh, God's people rebel against him. Again, I mean, yeah, right, that's basically the whole Bible. And God sends some snakes amongst them that bite them and poison people. And then God offers a rescue. He says to Moses, make a bronze snake and put it up on a pole so that everyone who looks up and looks at the bronze snake will be healed, will be saved. It's a strange little scene. Jesus draws on it here in John 3 because he says, just as the bronze snake was lifted up in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, so I must be lifted up so that all who look to me, all who trust in me will be saved. See, Nicodemus came and he thought he could assess and affirm the work of God in Jesus' life. And Jesus says, no, don't just come and affirm and assess the work of God. You need to experience, you need to receive the work of God in your life, the power of God in your life, up close and personal, not at a safe distance. You need to be born again. We're a bit like Nicodemus, aren't we? In our Christian circles... We love to assess, to reflect. We love knowledge, learning stuff, because that's safe and controlled. We love to experience God at arm's length that's safe and controlled. But Jesus wants more for us. We need to experience God up close and personal. So let me ask you, when you open your Bible during the week, when you're at community group, when you come here on a Sunday, what are you hoping? What are you, what are you expecting will happen? Is it that you'll learn 
some stuff from the Bible, that you'll learn more about God? Or do you hope, do you expect to meet with God? To experience God up close and personal in His Word by the power of His Spirit? Do you expect that? Because Nicodemus said, you're just a teacher. Jesus says, you think you need a teacher, you need a saviour. You think you just need to make some changes, to learn some more things. You need to start all over again. If you insist on just seeing me as a teacher, you will never be born again. You'll never break through. This is the new birth. God's spirit breaks through and you realise, I don't need a teacher. I need a saviour. I don't need to make a few changes. I need to start again. I need to see Jesus lifted up as my King and Saviour. That's the new birth. You break through keeping Jesus at arm's length and you accept him as your King and Saviour. Friends, you know the good news? That's the third thing that Nicodemus discovered. You can be born again. You can break through to receive Jesus as your King and Saviour. So what's the steps? What's the technique? How do I get that experience? But as we say that, we know that's all wrong, don't we? Because Jesus didn't say to Nicodemus, here's the five steps. Go chase that experience. No, he said, look to me, believe in me. You can't make yourself born again. It's a gift. Now, we know that instinctively, don't we? That We know that's how uh, birth happens, when baby's born. I mean, think back to your birth. We can't, can we? We don't remember. It, it sort of happened to us. That's the point, right? We didn't decide. We didn't ask. We didn't work. We didn't, we didn't strive for it. it. We received it. It was a gift. And that's what Jesus does with Nicodemus. He, he doesn't give him five steps. He doesn't go say, chase an experience. He says, stop seeing me as a teacher and consider me lifted up. And then he kind of just leaves it with Nicodemus. Okay. So some of you might be thinking, so this born again thing is it's just a mystery then. Like a cosmic game of duck, duck, goose. You sort of sit back and hope you get lucky. No. Because look what happens to Nicodemus in the rest of John. There are two more wonderful Nicodemus moments in John. And I'd love for you to turn to the first one, uh, John 7, verse 50. So this is uh, another one of those scenes where the religious leaders are getting stuck into Jesus and writing him off. John 7, verse 50. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, that's John 3 that we've looked at today, who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? He says, Shouldn't we at least listen to Jesus? He's still listening to Jesus, still considering Jesus. And then the second final scene Nicodemus seen is John 19, just after Jesus has died. John 19, verse 38. Later, Joseph Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. 
With Pilate's mission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had early visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, very expensive. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. That's big. (laughs) Two influential wealthy powerful men come and take a corpse down from a cross it would have been made them ceremony unclean and if Nicodemus was still caring about law and tradition and morality he would never have done it so what's changed Jesus said see me lifted up and then he saw Jesus lifted up on the cross and I wonder if an image came into his mind of a bronze snake lifted up on a pole. I wonder if he remembered back to that conversation he had with Jesus three years before. I wonder if Jesus' words echoed in his mind. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. However it happened, the breakthrough happened. He saw Jesus lifted up and he responded like a believer, like a disciple. He went against the tide and he aligned himself with a condemned criminal. This is the new birth. You break away from keeping Jesus at arm's length as just a safe teacher and you embrace him as your king and saviour. So let me ask you this morning. Have you been born again? The reason I ask is that it's possible to be very religious, very moral, very churched and never be born again. The senior minister of the church that I was converted in and that I was born again in uh, went on long service leave. And I remember him when he came back, he said that they toured around the United Kingdom uh, and they visited churches on Sunday and one particular church, because he was a minister, uh, they invited him and his wife back for lunch with the parish council and the, the, the senior minister. Very hospitable. Anyway, Rob, the senior minister, is sitting there at, at the meal and he, he did what you do when you get together with Christians you met for the first time. He said, so how did you guys meet the Lord? And this is awkward pause, like he'd said the wrong thing. And, and then eventually he's, People started to say, well, I've been coming to this church since I was a child. I've been on parish council for 15 years. On and on it went. But almost no talk of Jesus and nothing about meeting Jesus and being born again. Did you see? It's possible to be on parish council. It's possible to do church, to work out church. You, You first arrive and it's a bit confusing, but then you work out when to stand and when to sit, whether it's okay to raise your hands or not. Um what pledging is, uh, what communion is. Uh, you learn the jargon and, and over time you can learn how to look and behave like a Christian really, really well. You can do all that for years and years, for a lifetime and never be born again. So I ask you, have you been born again? Have you accepted Jesus as your King and Saviour? Some of you might be sitting there and you're feeling really uncomfortable right now. Unsettled, challenged by Jesus. Please do not dismiss that. 
Please do not stifle that. Ignore that. That is the Holy Spirit stirring you, calling you back to God, drawing you into new birth with Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray in a moment. It's going to be a prayer for some of you. It will be just a way of thanking God again for what he did when you became a Christian. For some of you, it's the opportunity to say to Jesus that you want him as your king and saviour, that you want that new beginning. So I'd love you to pray along in your hearts and minds with me. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for this time to open your word and hear you speak. We thank you that you're a God who doesn't load us up with more rules and religion and just tell us to try harder. But he offers a new birth, a fresh start, a new beginning with you. Thank you for all the men and women in this building who you've given that to, who have been born again, who follow Jesus. And we want to say sorry this morning for the times when we have thought that was a small thing. Help us to marvel and rejoice again at what you did in us when we became Christians. We pray for the men and women here this morning who are not yet followers of Jesus. We thank you for them. We thank you for bringing them here. We know for some of them this would have been a really hard decision. And so we thank you that they're here. We thank you they're their questions and their their doubts. We ask this morning that you would enable them to make that breakthrough. Do not keep Jesus at arm's length as an easy-to-dismiss teacher, as just a good man, but to receive him as their King and Saviour, to see him lifted up on the cross for their sins and in their place, that they would know the joy and delight of following Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.